The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm a neurologist and pain management specialist in the Philadelphia metropolitan area, and I'm proud to announce that we have in studio our co-host, Spencer the Wizard Grossinger, and here we are, break it down, week four of the NFL. Let's get right into it, the Thursday night game, New York Giants rumbling into FedEx Stadium to play the Washington Redskins. Let's go. Let's take it to Washington. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on the airwaves again. I'm Spencer Grossinger, the co-host of this show, also the son of Bruce the Sports Doc. Let's talk a little bit about the New York football giants. The New York Giants, in the last game before heading to Washington, ran for over 200 yards with Rashad Jennings. And that, my friends, is good for Rashad fantasy owners, but it is also very beneficial for the New York Giants because last year, when they went 0-6, they could not establish a running game. David Wilson really struggled to run the football last year, and they didn't have an identity of running the ball. Eli Manning needs balance, and that's exactly what he got. Even though Rashad Jennings rushed for 50 yards in this football game, he ran for five yards on critical first downs in the first half. Eli Manning in the red zone has a new toy that he likes to throw the ball to when they get down to the nitty-gritty of the red zone. When you're in the red zone, you don't have much space. So the bottom line is that you need big physical receivers to run in traffic and make plays. And that new toy, his name is Larry Donnell, undrafted out of Grambling State. Now, this guy caught three touchdown passes versus Washington, and he pretty much had a four-inch height advantage on all the little corners and linebackers that were guarding Donnell. So... Larry Donnell, not only is he tall, but he can also jump high, make tremendous plays, and he is a great weapon for the New York Giants. And in the red zone, the Giants were able to convert in the first half. In the second half, they were able to really put heat on young Kirk Cousins, the third-year quarterback out of Michigan State. And with Pierre Paul and Mephias Kiwanuka breathing down Kirk Cousins' neck, it caused him to, to really be erratic with the football. And that's what a good pass rush will do to a solid quarterback, is that it will distract him from his reads. He will be nervous, get happy feet in the pocket, and just be willing to get the ball out so he doesn't get hit. So the Giants really rattled Kirk Cousins. Well, watching this game, I commented in a way... Questioning, is Kirk Cousins colorblind? Because it seems that he threw four 
consecutive interceptions in the third quarter to the New York Giants. Some right on the numbers, and the, the, the throws Siebler have no bearing to where the receiver was, but was locked on like a stealth bomber to the defensive back. So what a difference a week makes. Kirk Cousins looked like the second coming of, of Joe Montana against the Eagles, really poised in the first half, although they ultimately lost the game. But in this half, in this game, the Giants clearly rattled Kirk Cousins. While he's not a rookie, he hasn't played that many games starting the NFL. And he really looked like he melted down in the third quarter. It was, it was tough to watch. Absolutely. Even as a Giants fan, it, uh, it was definitely tough to watch Kirk Cousins go through that because it, it, was, it was embarrassing. You know, five straight possessions and, and four interceptions in those possessions. So every five minutes I would be calling and saying, ha, Kirk Cousins, another interception. So, it, you know, it's definitely going to be a lump in Kirk Cousins' uh, resume so far. Luckily, he has about six weeks to turn it around. The Redskins also aborted from Alfred Morris, the running back, and when they had success on the ground, I thought that they should have pounded the rock more. And they're still looking for that identity, and that identity is very crucial for an NFL offense to operate. Next, let's flash to the Sunday games, what they might call the game of the week. Much anticipated, undefeated Philadelphia Eagles rambling into the new Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California. And I really didn't have a good handle on the game. And watching the game itself, there's no way I would have predicted what happened. In the first half, the Eagles blocked their first punt since 1992 and ran it in for a touchdown. Darren Sproles ran back a punt return, 82 yards, and also Mr. Jenkins had a, piss, had a pick six, ran back. Looks like he was running on the old electric football game. He was running against felt men because certainly the, uh, the San Francisco offense will never win any tackling awards for that display. And the Eagles had a comfortable 21-10 lead. And the offense had barely touched the field. Well, what happened was, obviously, this game evolved to the extent that the 49ers came back with Colin Kaepernick. Vernon Davis got hurt. A lot of injuries to both offensive lines. The, the, the story of the game was no offense by the Eagles. Zero offensive points. So the Chip Kellys, formerly the stealth-gunning Nick Foles, stealth Kellys, with LaShawn McCoy last year, the leading rusher to NFL literally averaged less than one yard per carry. And the, the sum total of Darren Sproles and LaShawn McCoy averaged a total of 21 rushing yards in the game. The offensive line for the Eagles looked like Swiss cheese. They couldn't open up any holes. And ultimately, the defining moment was when the Eagles had four plays within the two-yard line, and they opted to pass on every one. And uh, it just looked like they were afraid to run the rock and they certainly didn't give any confidence to their, their young line. Chip Kelly admitted that the whole problem started with the offensive line, and he had to dramatically alter the game plan. The final result, the Niners leveled their record to 2-2, two two, beating the Eagles 26-21. to 
when I look at this football game, I knew it would be difficult for the Philadelphia Eagles that are 3-0 to come in and face a desperate San Francisco 49ers team. And Jim Harbaugh has instilled a winning culture out there in the Bay Area. And the San Francisco prides themselves on discipline and tough, hard-nosed football. But the 49ers really didn't look impressive in this football game. As you alluded to earlier, you had Colin Kaepernick throwing a pick six where the guy was blatantly in front of a slanting Steve Johnson. You then had a blocked punt and a field go- and a kick return for a touchdown. So the Philadelphia Eagles were finding ways to put points on the board. And when you have special team success like that, that means that that's going to yield your offense to being on the sidelines when you are returning things for touchdowns. So I'm sure the Eagles were fine with that trade-off. Unfortunately, as the game went on, Frank Gore had a big 56-yard touchdown reception, kind of on a busted play where Kaepernick threw it completely across the field to Frank Gore. That was a big turning point in the game. Phil Dawson and the 49ers were able to crawl into Eagles territory and kick field goals that ultimately caught up with the Philadelphia Eagles. He made three field goals in the game. So the Eagles, Nick Foles threw an interception. Zach Ertz fumbled the rock right in the San Francisco's hands. I've, San Francisco won the turnover battle 4-0 today. And that's a big defining factor when you're looking at these football games. But the scene was... San Francisco was up five. The Eagles had no offense the whole game. LaShawn McCoy and Darren Sproles, as you alluded to, were just getting stomped in the backfield, just getting steamrolled over and had no holes to run because the Eagles are missing two out of their four offensive linemen that are out with injuries, which is understandable. Nick Foles and Jeremy Macklin, though, with under three minutes to go, orchestrated a drive down by five, and it was a majestic drive with Macklin making unbelievable one-hand catches, Nick Foles putting the ball right into Jordan Matthews' hands. He looked poised, and the thing about Nick Foles that is interesting is even though he doesn't run a lot, you still see Nick Foles gravitate through the pocket, and he doesn't just stand still like a statue like a Phillip Rivers or Peyton Manning. You always kind of see him running towards his receiver or away from the play if you watch Nick Foles. So the bottom line is Eagles had a great chance to still win this football game in San Francisco, a place I did not expect them to even have a chance to win. Their defense was awesome the whole game. And they really limited the 49ers offense today and really showed guts on defense, making interceptions and holding the 49ers to field goals to give their offense a chance at the end. And then third and two, you got to run the ball with LaShawn McCoy. This guy is the leading rusher in the NFL for a reason last year. He has the most heart on the team. And the Eagles right now, without having confidence in LaShawn McCoy, are now missing an identity to this offense. What are you going to hang your hat on? Are you a jack of all trades or you're a jack of none, as I should say? So... That's how I analyze the game is that the Eagles really need to get back to running the football like they did for Chicago last year. And the running will help Nick Foles with those play actions that they seem to do every two plays. Well, this segment sure is flashing by. I hope the listeners are enjoying this segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. Right around the corner, we're going to discuss one of my favorite games today. Coming out party for Teddy Bridgewater, Vikings. Double up the Falcons. 
We'll be back in three minutes. Stay there. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety Ray Ellis on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm here with Spetcher the Wizard, and it's time to dive right back into it. Let's go around the league. One of my favorite games today was Vikings-Falcons, the coming out party for Teddy Bridgewater. In relief of Matt Castle, who was injured last week, it seemed like Bridgewater didn't do well in the combine, and his drop, his, his, his draft has really dropped, and... He looked like he was certainly a big value pick for the Vikings, who have certainly not been overly laden with good quarterback play. So Bridgewater had a wonderful game. Spencer, break it down for us. First off, the atmosphere was very cool as this was in the Minnesota Golden Gopher Stadium. It was in the college stadium, so it's just a different look for the Minnesota Vikings not being in the Hubert Humphrey Dome that was knocked down a couple of years ago. But here, Teddy Bridgewater showed a lot of poise, and the game plan by North Turner was absolutely just 
tailor-made for Teddy Bridgewater. They threw screen passes. They had Jarek McKinnon, um, again, using him in the screen game. That He was hitting Cordell Patterson over the middle, using his tight ends. And Bridgewater, just his feet looked great today. His protection was on point. And Bridgewater ended up 19 for 30 for 317 yards, including a great touchdown run from the 13-yard line where he scrambled outright and then was able to dive into the end zone with the defender's backs not facing towards him. So Teddy Bridgewater today had great feet, showed great poise, and and really was accurate with the football. So Minnesota, they really have something to marvel at now in Teddy Bridgewater. And believe it or not, Minnesota as a 2-2 two and two football team, they're going to be an entertaining watch as long as this young kid's in the game. Because this quarterback out of Miami, Florida, went to Louisville. He does have a chip on his shoulder because of the poor pro day, as you alluded to earlier. So for Teddy Bridgewater... That was definitely one of the biggest storylines of Sunday was just how impressive this kid looked. And the moment didn't seem too big for him at all. Atlanta got romped in this football game. No defense and their offensive line fell to the Minnesota Vikings pass rush a couple of times. So Minnesota really looked impressive and Atlanta definitely looks like a very beatable team as they showed no defense whatsoever in this football game. Matt Asiata, replacement for Peterson, ran all over these guys, and they were just gaping the Atlanta Falcons all day long was Minnesota. Next game I'd like to hit will be Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions going in to play the New York Jets. Certainly, the the game was sold out. We always like these division, the these... Um, I would say AFC, NFC battles, they're always interesting because these teams don't see each other very much. In the first half, the Lions certainly had their way uh, 17-3. to The Jets came back, but they met frustration. One of the outcomes of the game was apparently Geno Smith was audibly heard saying something derogatory to one or more fans to the extent that he had to apologize for it after the game. We don't have any more real details, but as this goes along, certainly reminiscent of, of Jonathan Papelbon giving the old universal crotch-grabbing side to the faithful at Citizens Bank Park. And with Papelbon, not one of the most charming individuals in the game, he was saddled with a seven-game suspension. The question will be, obviously, we're going to talk about the game, but does insulting or cursing at your own fan base especially in the new MetLife Stadium where there is premium Dalini, will that bring a suspension, a fine, or a reprimand from either the Jets or the NFL, particularly in light of the swirling tsunami of domestic abuse, which really obviously is separate and distinct from the potential cursing? Spencer, what are your thoughts on that very multifaceted question? When you brought up domestic abuse, that completely had nothing to do with Geno Smith telling a fan to go bleep off. And when you you look at Goodell and all the NFL's problems, this will be very low on the laundry list that the NFL is facing right now. A totally, totally different story. But talking about Gene Doe Smith, I can understand as a 25-year-old individual that is trying to get his feet wet in a new city, in a new arena, 
in only his second year, Geno Smith has enough trouble with trying to understand Marty Morningwag and his list of 2,000 plays in the West Coast offense that all result in screen passes, all result in running the ball on Fern and 10, and all result in the prevent offense that we've seen in Philadelphia. So Geno Smith has a lot on his plate right now, and the fans are clamoring for his counterpart, Michael Vick, to enter the football game. Michael Vick, Michael Vick, and that's all he was hearing in his head, and I'm sure that after losing the first, his third straight football game, uh, that reaction was... For Geno Smith, a warranted reaction. Of course, he would choose not to do it again. But again, heat of the moment sort of thing, a la Richard Sherman and Aaron Andrews last year. So in this game, the Lions are a 3-1 and one football team, and they're winning in different ways. Last week, Matthew Stafford had a horrid performance. Today, Calvin Johnson a.k.a. Megatron Johnson, only had two catches for 13 yards. If I told you that, you'd think that the Jets would have a pretty good chance of defeating Detroit. But no, Staffy still threw for 293 and two touchdowns today, and and Golden Tate had over 100 yards receiving. So these Detroit Lions are finding ways to win football games. And for Detroit fans, that's a very encouraging sign because this was a tough game on the East Coast for Detroit, a game that a lot of times Detroit would not do well as a notoriously poor road team. Well, well said. Let's move to Houston. Let's put on our boots and our Ted Gallant hat, and we go to the Houston J.J. Watt Texans, and they had they were visiting from the Doug Maroney Bills, and it looked like this is a day where the caps would be not enough EJ. Certainly, EJ Manuel really had trouble getting the offense going, and this was another frustrating loss for a franchise that has met a lot of frustration over the decades. Since Jim Kelly hung him up, the Bills, it seems, have always had trouble getting it right. They had, they got off to a great start this year, and they were certainly in this game. They were there with a minute and 31 seconds on the Texans' 41-yard line, albeit with no timeouts. And what did E.J. Manuel do? He threw the interception, game over. So, again, a very poor performance. Some people were clamor- clamoring for Kyle Orton to come off in relief from the bullpen. Kyle Orton, best beard in the NFL. But let's talk about EJ Manuel. I don't think I've seen this kid throw a pass beyond the five-yard limit. He makes Chad Pennington look like Dante Culpepper. So looking right now at EJ Manuel, he just doesn't have a strong arm. He can't thread the needle. He can't even throw a fastball. Looking, every pass he throws is a lob, a lollipop lob that you think is going to be intercepted. And I'm sure Bills fans can relate to what I am saying. And EJ, EJ'd the last drive of the game, throwing an interception. Now, EJ has all of the intangibles, or should I say tangibles, meaning he has great leadership, great poise, 
very well-liked, very well-spoken competitor, everything. But the bottom line is he just can't throw the football that well. And E.J. Manuel, even though he's an athletic quarterback, he just can't whip the ball out and really finesse the ball into tight windows on the outside. He's the complete opposite of Matthew Stafford or Aaron Rodgers, and his arm strength is going to end up being a problem for these Buffalo Bills. The Bills have Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, and, and they have Chandler. Scotty Chandler, who's the tight end for the Bills. So Buffalo, they need to be more two-dimensional. They need to loosen up the defense by throwing home run balls. And I wouldn't be surprised to see, uh, well, actually I would be. EJ Manuel, this is pretty much, he's still auditioning for the job. He was drafted 50 in the first round, the 15th pick. So I don't think we're going to see Kyle Orton unless it's an injury because pretty much for Marone and EJ Manuel, this is their show. But right now, it is not looking too auspicious for this 2014 team. Remember, they started off 2-0 last season as well, and it's looking like the Bills are going down the drain. Their defense did a decent job, but come on. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's the Houston Texans who have only Andre Johnson out there as a wide receiver. You gotta end up winning this football game in Houston to go to 3-1 and because your schedule will get tougher, and the Bills couldn't get it done. It's a crucial loss. And it's one I do not think they will recover from. Well, this segment has come and gone. A lot of great around the league analysis. Upcoming, we'll talk about the upset of the day. We'll always talk about the loser of the week. The Oakwood Raiders flying to London in order to lay an egg. And also, the Aaron Rodgers against the Bears. They're always a great rivalry. However, this game wasn't so close. So please stay with us. We'll be back in three minutes. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented by Outdoor Channel. We're going after elk, and our hunting party will include executive producer of Realtree Outdoors, David Blanton, outdoor writer Tim McQuelch, Cabela's optics manager Phil Severinsen, and award-winning author Keith McCafferty. Did you know the elk threaten each other by curling back their upper lip, grinding their teeth, and hissing softly? That's what Jim does. And it's presented to you by Outdoor Channel at OutdoorChannel.com. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. 
Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And without any further ado, it's time to pay homage to the captain. Derek Jeter of the New York Yankees has retired after a splendid 20-year career. One of the most remarkable aspects of Derek's career was that he never was ejected from the game. Always a classy individual, a leader, a captain, a role model. And 20 years ago, everybody, little boys and little girls, we're wearing the number two. And this year, 2014, again, two generations of fans have seen Derek Jeter play. He has finally completed his last game at Yankee Stadium. A very memorable and emotional farewell. And could it have ended any better? Maybe they could have made the playoffs. However, here we are, bottom of the ninth, the captains up, man of first and second, Derek Jeter, Lines a single to right field. Game winning, walk off, single, and brings down the house. And everybody, including his four his former teammates, mobbed him on the field. And the Baltimore Orioles, who are playoff bound, paid homage, stood for the entirety of the postgame festivities, showing respect for Derek Jeter and what a beautiful moment in sports. There's so much talk about crime, domestic abuse, bad tweets, all that stuff. This w- was a shining moment. As a Philadelphia native, I have nothing but respect for the New Yorker, Derek Jeter. And in Boston, he, was, he, he finished his career with two out of three games as a DH. And actually, his last at bat... At Fenway Park, he had a base hit. What a great way for it to end. Spencer, I know you've covered the Yankees, paid close attention to them. And what are your thoughts about Derek Jeter on his retirement? My first thought is that it's really a passing of time. And that's what makes sports so incredible is that these guys, it's not fake. This is real life. And they and that stadium is their office. And for Derek Jeter, the great cathedral, the great Yankee Stadium, that was his office for 20 years. And as a youngster, when Derek Jeter started playing baseball, it was 1995. I was born in 1994. So I grew up through Derek Jeter 
it, through his entire baseball career. And I understand Mr. November. I remember Derek Jeter in the 1996 World Series, although faintly because I was still a little kid. But then in the Subway Series in 2000, the Roger Clemens versus Mike Piazza bat-throwing brawl. Just so many memories to be acquainted to Derek Jeter. And the special thing about Jeter that I love is that he keeps his personal life away from the public eye. And so many times you see athletes flaunting their girlfriends, or as you alluded to earlier, with domestic abuse in the NFL, tweets, as you said. Derek Jeter just keeps it to the vest. He's a classy individual, and everybody likes Jeter. And it really speaks volumes when the Boston Red Sox, the main rival of the New York Yankees, honored Derek Jeter, and he got a standing ovation. It just shows you that Boston fans and every team loves a great sportsman and loves a guy that displays great sportsmanship and great professionalism. And there's no athlete, I think, in the history of all sport that'll be more professional and be more under a microscope than Jeter. I mean, he's the shortstop for the most popular baseball team of all time under George Steinbrenner. And Bernie Williams, Jorge Posada, Mariano Rivera, it just kind of brought back all that nostalgia watching them there in their sport coats, in their sports jackets. And it was sad because it's really a passing of time. And it's something that won't set in until you watch another New York Yankees game and maybe a couple years from now, how special that time with having Derek Jeter on the diamond is. When you think about baseball, you think about Derek Jeter. And for casual watchers of the game, everybody knows number two, Derek Jeter. And it's sad. It's really a passing of time. He meant so much to my childhood. So many late nights staying up to watch the New York Yankees play. And as a little kid, I really idolized Derek. And uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a sign that you're getting old. And it, I couldn't think of a better guy to have a better ceremony than, than Derek Jeter. Well, the good news, Spencer, is you're not that old. In fact, you are exactly the same age as, as the you? amount of years, not me exactly, but the amount of years that Jeter has played, which is number 20. 20. So without any further ado, That's why I retired this year, by the way, just because I turned 20 this year. He informed me that that's why I was retiring. Well, I didn't let him know that if you waited another year, both of you would be 21. Right. But nonetheless, yeah. let's flash into what we call the upset of the week. Da-da-da. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers yes. upsetting, going in to the, the place where the steel curtain, some of the most rabid fans, Absolutely. and the final score. Bucks win 27-24. Mike Lennon. A hero. Your thoughts? Michael Glennon from North Carolina State. You know, last year, Mike Glennon reminded me of Nick Foles in the first season for the Philadelphia Eagles. He reminded me of Foles because he's tall, because he's very composed. He's all about team. He isn't going to get into trouble on weekends. Michael's just a good old boy from the South. And the thing about Mike Lennon is he's very tall. He has a good arm. And he struggled his first year because that team was just absolutely dissipating around him, okay? Everything 
going on with the Tampa Bay Bucks with Greg Schiano, all the drama of Schiano yelling at his players. The Bucks, that was just a stale, stale season for Tampa Bay. It was depressing that they even had to suit up on weekends. So for Mike Lennon to, to have to yield the blame, he was one of the few bright spots last year. Then came in Lovey Smith, who had this allegiance to Josh McCown. McCown, as hard as it is to say this to as nice of a guy as Josh, he's been a backup for a reason. And you look at McCown, he holds the ball too long. He's not as tall as Mike Lennon. And he really needs perfect protection to be able to operate, where Glennon could do it with the boat sometimes sinking. So today, Mike Glennon was able to step up around the clean pocket. And for Tampa Bay, 10 days ago, they just got ramaged on Thursday night football by the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons just absolutely <laughs> embarrassed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 52 to nothing. And for Tampa Bay to win this, my homage goes out to all the survival league pools. If you had Pittsburgh in your survival league, which a lot of people did, Mike Lennon had the last word. And that last word was a touchdown pass with seven seconds to go. As your co-host, I always like it when Spencer invents new words. He just, the one thing you never want in life is to get what we call ramaged. Ramaged <laughs> is a mixture of if you get wrecked and, da- and damaged, if you put wrecked and damaged, I think you rammed get, also. You no. get rammed and ramaged. Ram- that's a great word. <laughs> I just had to, I had to pause it. Sounds and uh, as you would say, pay homage <laughs> To your ramage. Hey, at least I didn't say NFL. That that's all you right there. But uh Well thank you. Yeah. Well let's go right to Soldier Field, the home of the Windy City, with the Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Cheese Man, invading the Chicago Bears. Could you break Everybody, it down? Listen, everyone's invading. I mean, there's a lot of invading here. There's a lot of invading. There's right. And in this case, it was an invasion because the visitors <laughs> did have their evil way, doubling up the Bears. Let's talk about it. I would classify this as an imperialistic takeover by the Green Bay Packers since we're talking about invasion. Aaron discount double check Rodgers happened to throw four touchdown passes in this game. Everyone was asking questions. Oh, why is it Green Bay Green Bay? What's the problem with Aaron Rodgers this year in this receiving corps? Because they went down to Detroit a week earlier and only put up seven points and Aaron and that Green Bay offense could not get it going. But today was a completely different story. Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, a dynamic wide receiver duo was absolutely hitting on all cylinders today. And this is the A-Rod that we have come to be accustomed to. We knew this would be a shootout. The Bears have tons of injuries. Other than Kyle Fuller, the Bears' whole linebacking core secondary is all banged up. They've been on the road from San Francisco to New York. And for Green Bay, they caught the Bears and they tagged them today. So I really don't think that there's much issue with Green Bay. They're going to have an offense. They're going to have A-Rod back there slinging the rock. It's just a matter of can they get enough defense to win football games. And I, I really do see... The NFC, the NFC North is probably one of the best divisions in the entire league right now. So I think Green Bay is just fine. Well, we've come to the end of this particular segment. I'm Bruce, the sports doc, here on the Voice America Sports Network. We want to thank Ray Ellis, our sports director, 
Jeff Spinard, president, our fearless leader in Voice America, and all the boys back at our home base in the Valley of the Sun in Arizona, soon to be the site of the big game. We've got a great last segment coming up. Please stay with us. We'll be back in three. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field tune in for nick ferguson's secondary perspective on the voice america sports channel our guests will bring you the stories the opinions the expertise and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news find out what happens next Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're dealing with a very important area now, which will be... Injuries to the low back. This could relate to your sports injuries or other types of trauma, such as falls at work 
or car accidents. This is an area of extreme expertise for grossing or neuropain specialists. If you are within driving distance of the sound of my voice and you have a low back problem, whether it be a disc, whether it be a spinal cord injury, whether it be a car accident or a work accident, please call us for consultation. 610-521-6063. Again, I'm Dr. Bruce Grossinger. Let's start out with the types of injuries in the low back. I like to think of three different main injuries in the low back that are serious. Number one, injuries to the discs. Okay, and they include bulging, protruding, or traumatic discs. That's when the inner core, which is the nucleus pulposus, essentially ruptures and breaks through the outer part, which is called the annulus fibrosis. Excuse the Latin. And what happens when a disc breaks out is it moves into an area where a nerve lives, a nerve root. In Latin, the word root is called radic. So when there is a disc problem or a bone spur which presses into a nerve root in the spine, or alternatively, if there is a tremendous force, particularly a flexion and extension force to the spine, that could actually tear or partially tear the nerve cables. The nerve cables are oriented such that there's an inner cable, which is like the inner part of a wire, that's called the axon, and there's an outer cable, which is called the myelin. So, we've talked about different injuries. What? Disc injury. That's one type of injury. Another type of injury is direct trauma to the nerve, stretching or pulling. If the nerve actually gets pulled out of the spinal column, that's called an avulsion. That leaves somebody with a flaccid limb, either an arm or leg, and total weakness. A nerve root avulsion, regrettably, is a very serious problem that's very difficult to treat. Another problem with the lumbar spine is called the facet syndrome. That is, the interconnecting joints are called facets. And in the same area, there are little nerves called median branches. And what happens is, there's injury to those joints and those nerves, and there's usually multiple levels of injury. So our treatment usually involves treating multiple levels, a three on average. So when you have a patient that comes in and tells you, I have back pain, morning stiffness, and you examine them, and they have tenderness overlying the facet joints, that's what we call a facet syndrome. When Tiger Woods injured his neck last year, he did not herniate a disc, but he had a cervical facet syndrome. He required treatment for that problem and eventually recovered. So when we think about it, we look at the back. In the midline area, we see midline discs and nerves. We also think about the facets, which is a vertically oriented group of multi-level nerves and joints. Finally, it's separate and distinct, something called the sacroiliac joint. When the pain is either on one side or both sides, unilateral or bilateral, and when I put my finger right on what we call the dimples of the back, otherwise known as the sacroiliac joint, the posterior superior iliac spines, and there's extreme tenderness there. Or alternatively, if there's unleveling, when I look at it carefully, if one of the sacroiliac joints is way higher than the other, I think about something called sacroiliac joint syndrome. Sacroiliac joint syndrome 
How does it compare with the other entities? It typically does not radiate down into one or both legs. It's not radiating in character. It's not a radiculopathy. That's the Latin word. Also, it's usually in a different area. It doesn't go up the spine. It doesn't affect multiple levels. It basically is such when you put your finger on the SI joint, there's pain. And there's also two other tests called the Patrick's test, wherein you do a maneuver to the hip and the leg. And also something called a Lasegs test, which is another provocative test we do in the office. When those tests are positive, they can support the diagnosis of sacroiliac dysfunction. Well, how do you treat sacroiliac dysfunction? Number one, anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxers, physical therapy, myofascial treatment, even general manipulation, either osteopathic manipulation or chiropractic manipulation. And also, we do both diagnostic and therapeutic injections. In the operating room, we do this in neuropain specialists. We take a needle, we place it down an x-ray beam directly at the SI joint, and we inject a powerful anti-inflammatory and local anesthetic agent. When that relieves the pain, that's a positive diagnostic test, and there's also a therapeutic component. We usually do up to three injections in the sacroiliac area. Okay, let's go back to diagnosis number one. Disc injuries, lumbar root injuries. How do we treat that? So how do we treat herniated discs? Number one, at the core is a good clinical exam. There are rare cases that represent true surgical emergencies. When somebody has an acute injury to their disc, they herniate it, and they develop an inability to pass urine, or they develop constipation, that is a true emergency. That indicates the likelihood of a spinal cord involvement, or what we call a cauda equina syndrome. That's a big word in Latin. Cauda equina relates to the horse's tail. In that case, we send them to an immediate surgeon who usually does a decompression. They remove the disc with or without a fusion to stabilize the spine. That's unusual, however. 95% or greater, we start off conservatively. Anti-inflammatory medicines, muscle relaxers, physical therapy, rest, stretching, second-tier treatment. We do epidural injections in our office. That means in an operating room, we place a needle at the level of the disc, above or below it. We inject corticosteroids, local anesthetic agents. We usually do two or three of these injections over a period of four to six weeks. In our hands, the epidural injections have a 70% chance of significantly impacting on the patient's problem. They don't remove the disc, but they usually can induce a relative remission, and they allow the patient to continue their activities. So, review. Disc injuries. Unless there's a true surgical emergency, we use physical therapy, medicines, injections. We also believe gentle mobilization, which can be done by a physical therapist or can be done safely by a chiropractic physician, are very important tools in the treatment of lumbar disc injuries. We talked about sacroiliac dysfunction, pain in the butt, literally, and these problems are treated by medicine, mobilization, and injections directly to the sacroiliac joint. 
The way we do our injections, we use a special x-ray machine called a fluoroscope. So we have actual pictures of the needle. We can see where the medicine is going, and we can follow that up, and we can share that with the patient. I believe at the core of the treatment of low back injuries is good communication, interaction between the doctor and the patient. And again, we can see low back injuries at a host of scenarios. We can see them from car accidents, work injuries, and particularly in the sporting environment. Oftentimes, it's a twist, it's an acceleration, it's a deceleration, it's a slip and fall. We see it a lot in the wintertime. Black ice, head over heels, I landed on my back. And when they come to us, we have to decide whether it's a serious neurological injury. Another class of back injuries are the non-serious variety, what we call the simple strain and sprain, soft tissue injuries. These injuries get better, typically in four to six weeks. They require no formal um, injections or surgical treatment. They often don't require even CAT scans or MRIs. They usually get better with rest, anti-inflammatory medicines, something called a medrol dose pack, which is a methyl prednisolone pack over five days, gentle physical therapy, chiropractic care, and time. So if it's a simple low back strain, they get better. However, we see so many patients who are told by their doctors or by whomever, don't worry about it, you have a simple strain. They go ahead and they get evaluated. They get a careful exam by a neurologist. We find they need MRIs. And it turns out that they fall in the other category of the more serious big three. Lumbar disc injuries, nerve injuries. That's one category. Lumbar facet injuries and sacroiliac injuries. We're going to reinforce this particular discussion on future dialogues with you, the listener at Voice America Sports. This concludes this segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I will continue to help you journey through Nerveland, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. I thank you so much for listening. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.